sword of omens, come to my hand. I, Lionel, command it. I also command that you keep listening to Adrian Has Issues. And welcome to Adrian Has Issues. Um, I, I guess first I, I feel bad, and maybe I shouldn't even, you know, pull the curtain up because nobody really needs to know. But at the same time, I feel no, like... no one needs to see behind the curtain. Close the curtain. <laughs> Close the curtain. <laughs> exactly. But I feel like first and foremost, <laughs> first and foremost, I always want to be honest with my listeners. Like I feel like if nothing else, people can say, you know what? I I'm going to tell them straight. Today's guest. There's no one. There's no one back there. There's really no one behind the curtain. Today's guest, who I'm going to introduce in a second, who you've actually just heard, he is an amazing, award-winning writer, illustrator, uh, publisher, and we're going to get into all that, of a comic series called Nowhere Man. We recorded this once before. We had this great conversation, and thanks to the wonderful world of technical glitches, the conversation got lost. <laughs> but that's okay. He, he's He's back. And we're going to do this again, and I think we're going to have just about as much fun, if not even more fun. I think so. I think we're going to have a lot of fun this time. Jerome Walford. Jerome, again, hello, and well, I guess I should say welcome back. Thanks for having me on again, uh, Adrian. It's it's great to be here with you, and uh, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this. We had a great time, a great conversation, and, um, you know, we, we found a cure to cancer, and we, we kind of lost it in, in, the, uh, in that little glitch there, but maybe we'll discover it again. And I feel bad because we spent, like, prior to starting the show proper, we made this, well, I made the joke about making sure everything was great, all the levels were good, and making sure that the recording programs are going. And you mentioned something along the lines of, it'd be almost like a scientist discovering the cure for cancer and somehow lost the formula. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. But hey, uh, no, it was, it was a good time. It was a good time, so. It was a great time. But again, nowhere, man. Uh, is an amazing comic so like we did last time i'm just gonna just start the bat let everybody know what is the premise of nowhere man um yeah sure so uh nowhere man is a crime drama slash um detective uh drama that follows a cop based in new york city and the story really evolves from being this kind of very gritty um, big city uh, detective story into a sci-fi thriller slash superhero story. And uh, it centers around this character by the name of Jack McGuire. Now, Jack McGuire is a character that's quite relatable. You know, he's he has a lot of struggles and uh, baggage that uh, is quite familiar. And so as he moves through the story, you, you kind of see this character learning how to balance his uh, desire to become a, a great cop just to live up to his father's memory, but at the same time being sort of drawn into this uh, almost impossible situation that will hopefully, hopefully carve him out to be the first superhero that ever lived. Just to tell the story, and actually I should have just started the show by telling the story beforehand. Now this, I met you, this is going back um, a couple of weeks at Eternal Con, um, I guess the middle of June in Long Island. It was funny because I saw your book and I'm saying to myself... Wait a minute! I've seen this book before, and I told you this. Told the story of uh, my friend, um, my former co-host, 
of my old podcast, he... I don't know how he heard about you. I'm not sure if it was maybe just through like the internet or even a panel, but he was supposed to meet me for a panel. We were going to go hang out at New York Comic Con. This is maybe back, uh, I want to say 2014. He's like, um, he's like, all right, well, we'll go to this panel. But I got to meet the guy that didn't know where man. I've been hearing so much about it. It's this great book. It's a great book. I'm like, all right, all right. And one thing about my co-host is he's one of those people, like when he's, he's very... I don't want to say low energy, but, you know, he's very kind of like, you know, he lays in a cut. But when he's very excited about something, he gets really amped about it. So halfway through the panel, he leaves me and practically <laughs> runs to go find your book. That's great. <laughs> and it was so great to finally sit down. And I picked up volume one just to kind of get a little taster. And I was hooked. What was great about the story is that even before you get into the sci-fi aspect, you've already built this great world. And this, you know, this great cop drama, and from even from that angle, it was already this great story, which only got better thanks to the supernatural sci-fi part of it. So obviously, you have a, a a very big background and appreciation for cop dramas and dare I say, uh, urban crime thrillers. No, absolutely. One of the things that um, I do a lot of is 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 watch these cop shows. <laughs> That's one of my favorite pastimes, and so. It was only natural for me to sort of think about the kind of story that I would enjoy working on and then finding ways to bring that element into into the story. And, uh, yeah, just about any cop show you can think of, I've probably watched at least a couple seasons of, you know, a big CSI fan. Um, and you just go down a list, you know, um, yeah, Law & Order, you name it. Uh, you know, just basically any cop show that you, you, you've probably seen on uh, – uh, a regular TV, uh, I'm pretty much into. And uh, so when I thought about a story that would be interesting, that would work really well in a big city like New York uh, City, um, you know, a cop drama just seemed to really work for me. And of course, you know, because it's in a comic book form, I want to do something that would show my, my love and appreciation of, you know, the superhero stuff that we pretty much all grew up on, right? Right. And, and so... I thought it was a great opportunity to merge these uh, two, I mean, really three interests together, bringing in the sci-fi element too. I personally was so into the cop story because, to give a little backstory, my dad was a cop, uh, fairly recently retired <laughs> um, out of Patterson, New Jersey, which is where I grew up. And Wow. And the thing is with my dad now, I... I mean, granted, there was the urging, like, oh, are you going to be a cop, too? Which, of course, it was, it was almost like a running joke between the two of us going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he was a cop, and he went from just being, you know, your standard patrolman to officer to detective and then, you know, sergeant. Then eventually well, became, um, he ran the, the local PBA for a very long time. So knowing like, you know, my dad obviously had a name within the city and it was always funny yeah. because you'd go into certain places and it's like, oh, hey, you know, you're Ron King's kid. Right. Right. And exactly. there's and again, it's, it was one of those things I used to always joke about, um, you know, there's I could never really be that knucklehead on the corners because, you know, they'd see me in a heartbeat and go call my dad. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a great story. And I'm, I'm glad that that portion of the story really connects uh, for you because that's one thing I try to be, you know, almost a as real life as possible within the story. You know, certainly it has some great elements to it that are, you know, um, that kind of draws on the imagination of what is not possible at this time. But as far as the actual, you know, the, the heart of the story, the, the actual characters, there's a lot of those little moments that you get 
where you kind of see that this 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 guy is trying to find his way. You know, Jack McGuire is trying to find his way, uh, but at the same time, you know, there's this heavy burden that he carries that comes from you know his father being just a great cop or you know you know just really honorable guy who um, died on 9/11 as a first responder, um, and so. You know, you kind of see him now trying to figure out how does he fit into that legacy and if he's able to sort of live up to to the acts of bravery that his father was able to accomplish. And and, and so you kind of see him kind of trying to figure that out, doing right. his best to live up to that and, uh, you know, failing horribly. <laughs> <laughs> and multiple times, though. Pretty but that's much. what's so great about it is that, okay, you have a character who is living in the shadow of his father who, at this point in the story, has, like, a larger-than-life persona, yeah. and yet his son, who, and again, Jack, he's very well-meaning, you know, first and foremost. He's trying to do the right things. Yeah. But at the same time, he's he's prone to being brash. He screws up a lot. But again, and it's not even what is sad or kind of funny though is that it's not even just even him trying to deal with his um you know living in his father's shadow. But he's also um, being possessed by a uh, you know a, another person. So yeah. he's got that going for him. So I mean, wow, you can't win for losing. Yeah, um, one of the things that um, I think. You know, for this particular story, it has so many layers. It's one of the aspects of it that I really loved, um, you know, as I was scripting it, was that it had so many layers. And so there were many different possibilities in different directions in which the script could, could, could go. And, um, you know, so, so yeah, just to kind of give a little bit of, of that angle as well, it, you know, Jack, at, at some point, you know, before the story actually kicks off, he, he becomes fused with this other person this uh, secondary um, person who has very different motivations, has a very different um, perspective on life and has a very particular mission he wants to accomplish, right? right. So imagine now Jack having the burden of trying to live up to his father's shadow and through this event, he gains these powers, but the consequence is now he's basically sharing his consciousness, he's sharing his motivations with this person who has a very particular mission he wants to accomplish that involves breaking the law at basically at every level. And, and so that's a very that's a very um, challenging situation for the character to be in because he's basically lived this most of his life, at, at least once he joined the force, being, you know, a straight arrow, you know, doing, doing things as hard as he could, you know, as, as, as best as he could, but, you know, basically on the quote-unquote right side of the law. And so there are these different uh, scenes in the story as it develops where you realize that Jack goes unconscious and then he doesn't, he, he never really quite knows what he's been up to. Right. Um, sometimes his only clue as to what events happened was to watch the news the next day <laughs> to basically figure out what kind of pretty bad things he's been up to. And what was in, that was very great. And because uh, I know one of the, the running themes in the book is ever since he's had this take over him, he has not physically slept because, you know, he, he yeah. says, and I, we might get into, I, I might pre, I should preface this and say, we might get into a little bit of spoilers. I'll try to keep them down. But the problem is when I get excited about something, I start saying, Hey, wasn't it great when this happened? So trust <laughs> me, I'm going to try to like keep it down. So that way, you know, people won't have read the entire book from listening to us, <laughs> but it was great. Because yeah. he was, you know, it, it, the idea of here's this guy who 
And unlike, let's say, like a Spider-Man who, I mean, in the comics, his path from being, you know, this angst-ridden kid to being this hero, it's a fairly quick process. But in this one, even with all this great power, he's still having an issue with the responsibility part. And he's, unfortunately, it's keeping him at bay with um, his partner and love interest, Rose, whom, wow, I mean, Rose is a great character in and of herself. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. And, you know, there's, there's this uh, great little section that I really enjoyed working on where, um, again, we won't give a spoiler here, but for certain reasons, Jack was uh, not able to be the narrative voice um, for that section of the, of the story. So, um, you know, it, it afforded this great opportunity to have her step into the limelight and see how she's able to tell the events from her perspective, from her point of view. And uh, that really allowed me to kind of bring her to the forefront because in many ways she's the opposite of Jack. Um, you know, she's very laid back, very reserved and, uh, you know, very skilled, very, very good at her job. Um, but at the same time, just is, is quite unsure for herself. And, and so the story basically follows um, Jack and Rose who are basically on um, opposite paths, if you will. Jack learning how to not be so brash and not be so, you know, just kind of just running and, and just kind of do without asking questions. Moving from being that kind of personality to becoming much more thoughtful, much more methodical about the way he goes about what he does. While for, for Rose, she's really stepping into her own and learning how to become her own person and, and just really take the initiative. Right. And you really feel for her, too, because in a way, she is very much the she kind of represents that center, and that balance that. Yeah. For all to the purposes, Jack basically lacks, whether it be from his own personality and the struggles to, of course, you know, there's these powers that he has. And she's really pretty much just trying to hold it down for him. Yeah, and for her, yeah. And, you know, God bless her, because I know. I, I it actually made me think about my own girlfriend because I I know me I'm you know I'm emotions first so you know anything I feel I just go with it and it's like to have that other person to basically kind of be that that center for you pretty impressive but at the same time Rose is her own person she has her own motivations and desires and you really feel for the character because again try not to get into spoilers but she's you know, she has her own sort of path going. And like you said, we're at that point in the story where they're not exactly lining up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that really helps because when you have a character who is unrestrained, whether it is, you know, they're, they're you know, they have unlimited power or they don't have that, you know, that, that uh, kind of personality along with them in the story, it really creates a very, you know, unbalanced uh, character or an unbalanced story. You know, you really need characters who have limitations um, and have struggles to make them that much more relatable and also to have a very strong counterweight to them, you know, in the story. And I think Rose does that really well for Jack. And you managed to do that quite well because, again, we've watched thousands of shows, whether it be from like, you know, back in the day as like when I was barely walking, you know, when Hill Street Blues came out to, you know, NYPD Blue or even Law and Order, even as, you know, recently as like The Wire, which, I mean, holy crap, one of my favorites. Right, right. You've managed to take these cop shows, and unfortunately it's TV, so they're very heavy with tropes, but found a way to subvert them in a way that 
you know, it's not the standard, like, you know, you get the, you know, your harder, you know, hardest detective, you get your, uh, your bumbling kind of, I guess, you know, I don't want to call him comedy relief, but we'll get to him in a minute. <laughs> but you have all these characters and you manage to find a very good way to kind of take what's done, but yet put a fresh, relatable spin on it. Like, I mean, is that a challenge at every point where you're coming up with either a character or a situation and it's like having them all over, okay, what was done before and how could I not do that? Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a quite, a, a quite a challenge. And so Nowhere Man has been uh, in the process of uh, scripting and writing for a long time, a really long time. So just to give a little bit of quote-unquote ancient history, um, <laughs> the, the characters in Nowhere Man are loosely based on characters I had since high school. So they go really far back. And uh, Nowhere Man in this particular iteration of, of, the, of this uh, series here, I started writing um, maybe uh, around 08. And then I started a webcomic in uh, 2010. And it was really after going through those different variations on the story and coming up with something that I felt was much stronger and the characters much more developed and much more well-rounded um, is really when I started to publish the books in print form in 2012. So, um, you know, having that much time with the characters, even the quote-unquote secondary uh, uh, characters allowed me the opportunity to really flush them out. Well, I mentioned him before, but another one of my favorite characters is uh, Christopher Sanchez, who is hilarious. <laughs> he's he's great. He's a lot of fun to to write for. Like you get the impression that, and again, this is speaking, of course, to your credit, is that you have a character who is he's a little. I shouldn't say. Like I guess you know he's kind of a klutz. He's he represents a lot of the humor and maybe more of a lighthearted nature to the book where, and again, this is necessarily like a jab at the book though, but again, it's a very serious story. It is. But yet, is. Yeah. to have that nice little dash of humor and not laughably so, like he's not a caricature, like he still has his own motivations and at the end of the day, he's a damn good cop, but it's just so funny, the stuff that he does and comes out of his mouth it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's it's a great uh, thing to see that happen, and that that development actually came fairly late in the process. Um, Chris didn't really emerge until I was on perhaps the third iteration of the script, and uh, you know yeah, I had that struggle. I, I I felt that the story needed you know just a little bit of uh, just a little bit of humor, just to kind of uh, make it um, not so heavy all the way throughout, and. Um, you know, one of the, um, you know, early realizations was that, yeah, I need some, just a little bit of a humor element, but, you know, Jack is not funny. I actually had a couple <laughs> of scenes where I tried to bring a little bit of humor through Jack, but, you know, you can't do sort of a straight punchline with him. It has to be very dry wit. So, I, you know, I thought, you know, I had this other character that's kind of in the background. Maybe I can try to bring him to the forefront a little bit and, and uh, right. you know, have that be a, a main uh, component to his character, but but at the same time, there are some scenes uh, in the story where he becomes, you know, the very insightful, you know, the very thought-provoking character who says some things that are just really on point. So let's get more into the the science fiction part of the story. When you first write, like you had these characters and you had these concepts back in high school. Now, was the science fiction part even then a major proponent, or was that something that was added in later on after the fact? 
Um, that part developed very slowly. You know, I, I, I always thought of there being sort of this really strange twist on the, the central character. You know, it took a while to really figure out what that was. And so the science fiction uh, aspect came in, you know, fairly late in the scripting process where I felt, you know, like, yeah, I need something here that's going to be, you know, another layer to the, uh, to the, to the uh, story. And so Norman went from this, uh, what I wanted, which was a very gritty crime story, to evolving into uh, something that brought in a lot, you know, a lot of my other passions, which was, uh, you know, sci-fi. And so, yeah, you know, I, was, I was thinking, how do I kind of fit these components together? And it took a little while, but, you know, it, after a while, it began to really gel. And in some ways, you know, it had a very um, poetic way of uh, emerging, too. And I try to bring that out in the script as well. In the, there are certain components or certain uh, scenes where it has a very poetic flow to the, to the narrative. And uh, hopefully that, that shines through. Uh, particularly in volume two, uh, uh, you know, hopefully you see that there. Right. And that's the part that's also very cool because, again, when you see a lot of origin stories with characters, yes, yeah, like, okay, it's your, your every man who, of course, has his own struggles there, or he or she, I should say, you know, they'll get a power, which is great, but then, you know, you'll get maybe a, a couple of panels and seeing them kind of dealing with it, but it seems like right off the bat, they get this power, then immediately they're off and running. You don't really see... And it's kind of unfortunate, like you see with some of your more mainstream superhero books, we don't really get to see the process of them actually learning to then deal with these powers or finding ways to really come to grips. Because I'd imagine like myself, of course, any kid or person growing up is like, how great would it be to have powers of like flight or super strength and things like that? But I know good and damn well, if I had those powers, A, I'm going to be scared and B, I'm pretty sure it's going to cause like a lot of... A lot of hardships. <laughs> oh, right, right. And, and so, you know, for me, I want to maintain that heart of a superhero story. I wanted when um, someone reads Noah Man that they sort of feel that same feeling that they had as a kid or even as a young adult when they discovered that this person was some kind of superhero or had some kind of super ability that they would sort of see a little bit of themselves in that character. And so there's a couple of scenes uh, in very early in the series where Jack is telling just a little bit about his, the way he perceives what he can do. You know, he sort of says, you know, here's what I know I can do. Here's what I know I can't do. And one of the important things that he can't do is that he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have that sort of super strength, right? So he can't just, he can't just, you know, outright overpower someone because of this, you know, having that on on his side, but he can do all these other things, um, which are, you know, a bit (laughs) uncharacteristic for him as a person. So for example, uh, the technology that he has allows him to to be very evasive, you know, allows him to pass the walls, block bullets, and hack computers. And, you know, on a personal level, he hates computers. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so here he is wielding technology that gives him superpowers. And one of the main powers that he has is being being able to, you know, extract information from technological devices. He just does not know how to do that properly. And so, yeah, he has this huge learning curve. <laughs> it, 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 it provides some really compelling writing. I feel bad because, again, when I met you, I only picked up the first volume. So I'm then, of course, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I really <laughs> wish I had bought the the rest of the book. Because I, I don't want to know what happens. And I'm like, wait, hold on. <laughs> yeah, No, that's a good thing. That's a, I, I really want to get people addicted to the story. And um, I, well, mission accomplished. Yeah, I think it's working out pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, whenever I do the the shows, I, I get a lot of fans coming running over 
uh, and saying, I've, I've got to grab the rest. I got to know what happens next. So that's, that's a good feeling as a writer. Clearly, this book has gotten a lot of attention because upon looking at the cover for the first volume, the first thing I'm seeing is uh, Glyph Comics Awards winner for Best Male Character. You've been nominated the same year for Best Artist and Best Cover. So, I mean, for a story that is that you've you know written all this time to then get that recognition, um, I mean, that's got to be uh, that's got to be pretty amazing to then realize that hey, something I've been toiling on for so many years has you know finally started to you know reap some rewards and some benefits. Oh, absolutely! It, it was definitely a really amazing uh, experience and and quite an honor to get those nominations. You know, as a um, both a uh, producer and publisher. You know, that's one part of the business where, you know, uh, I had to do a, a lot of research and figuring out what would help to get the story out there and, and to get uh, some, some notice. So a part of the process is to submit your work to uh, these award shows or committees that will review your work and, and, and see whether or not you, you qualify. And so I, I tell you, this, this was an amazing honor to be uh, nominated last year by the Glyph Comics Awards in those three categories. And, and uh, it was totally unexpected. I mean, I knew that I had to do the work, you know, do those submissions and really try to get my work out there. But to be nominated yeah. um, that year, too, because that was a very strong year for those categories. And to, to then actually win for Best Male Character, I mean... Out of those three out of those three categories that I was nominated for, that's the one I least expected to win for, and I was so glad I did because you know it it really for me speaks to you know how uh, how significant this particular character is and how all those years of hard work were starting to pay off. Right, and something that we had talked about when we last recorded is that it's it's clear as to why a character like Jack would get such praise because in reading a lot of other comics, and again, this is of no detriment to other creators, the unfortunate aspect of there are there are a few, you know, you have, let's say, Luke Cage, you have Black Panther, uh, there's Miles Morales, uh, Spider-Man, and also I know there's Blue Marvel who is going to be in yet another um, Avengers-type book, but, I mean, he's kind of... Uh, more of on a smaller scale but you do have i mean quite a number of you know black male superheroes but i mean not all of them have had the uh, pleasure of being kind of being brought up in a modern era yeah unfortunately a lot of them you know back in during let's say like the 60s maybe even the 70s um luke cage especially you know there's there's some dubious origins because a lot of them played on a lot of i guess stereotypes and even like especially during like the black exploitation era sure sure so then you have a character like jack mcguire who's very modern and yes i mean there's there's certain things that i guess are universal all across the board but here's a guy who doesn't really play up to that like he's basically you know a man is every bit of you know, conflicted as anybody else would be. And again, it shows that, hey, this isn't necessarily a character who is, you know, doesn't play up on a lot of the same, you know, things that you see in a lot of other characters, and it definitely comes through. Yeah. Um, and and so, you know, like you said before, we're, we're not necessarily knocking what other folks are doing, you know, but, uh, you know, one of the things that we talked about was that when you look at the totality of the amount of books published each year, uh, even just within uh, comics, only a very small percentage of that has um, a minority character as a lead character. Right? So, um, you know, that, that being a starting point, you kind of realize that, okay, 
if I put something out there, you know, am I, am I, am I doing something that is so commonplace, you know, having a, um, you know, a strong, uh, you know, black male as the lead, is that something that's, that's so complex. I don't need to do that. That the answer to that obviously is, is not true because again, when you look at it, the total numbers of uh, books published each, you know, each year, such a small sliver of that has a minority character. Now, even within that small sliver, even a smaller amount of them actually have a character that has less of that, you know, quote unquote, dubious uh, upbringing. You know, we're talking about the stereotypes of uh, being in a gang or being in prison, being a drug addict, you know, all those things that is is unfortunately all too commonplace in how we represent, you know, a, a black character, particularly a black male character. And so for us, for Forward Comics, when we thought about, you know, how do we construct a really good story, a very edgy story, but at the same time, you know, all those stereotypes were off the table. You know, it was like right. when we think about how we develop this character, you know, what kind of things are going to work as being an interesting story, but at the same time, you know, would not play into those stereotypes. And so we're, we're very deliberate about that. Right. Now, is there like any sort of challenges or I don't want to say struggles because that's maybe too harsh a word. But, you know, that that constant challenge of, okay, you want to make a compelling story. But then you also realize that there's that maybe the portion of you that felt that you maybe had to represent a voice that wouldn't be there in, let's say, traditional mainstream comic books. Like, does that ever come up at all? Well, oh, sure, it it does. And I I think, um, you know, when you have a, a writing and editing team, that comes from a diverse background, it makes it easier to tell a story that's much more relatable and, and, and rings true to those experiences. And so, yeah, you know, challenge is a, is a good word. You know, that's, that's, that's totally fitting because there's a lot of work that goes into making that work uh, to try to craft something that, again, is relatable, that is interesting, that is uh, at the same time edgy, but not playing into a lot of the common stereotypes. And so one of the things that I think a lot of fans have uh, seen in the story that they really appreciate is that the character, you know, just about anyone from any walk of life almost can sort of see a little bit of their, their themselves in the character because he is so well-rounded and, and, and really the rest of the, the characters in the story are quite well-developed. And so we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to do something that is familiar, but at the same time, you know, not sort of, you know, uh, sort of a candy stereotype that you typically see. And especially now, because I'm sure you've read the, read the news and, well, I mean, we talked about it already, but I, I think this was a, a very interesting point is um, fairly recently, I know uh, Marvel got into a little bit of heat. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They just announced recently they're doing um, hip hop themed varying covers for their, their new line of books coming out within the next few months. And, and on one end, I did like a lot of the homages because, again, they were great album covers and it's nice to see them sort of reinterpreted. However, the controversy came in because there was, you know, this, the, the sentiment that while it's great that Marvel embraces this culture, but yet a lot of the people who, because, again, I mean, it's hip-hop is you know started a lot you know within black communities and yeah. something that is very original b- between us but yet you don't see many of them working within mainstream comic books so i mean there was definitely a lot of issue there as far as okay is it an appreciation or is it an appropriation yeah it's a very tricky time to be producing because um you know i'm, I'm certainly glad to see diversity become a subject of interest again you know it, it seems to go in and out of vogue if you will <laughs> you <know? laughs> 
But right now it's in vogue. You know, a lot of people want to talk about diversity. A lot of folks want to say that they are doing uh, things that uh, embraces diversity. Um, and so I, I don't want to necessarily knock everything that uh, the big two are doing in that regard. And so particularly on the subject matter of, you know, uh, what's up with these uh, hip hop covers? You know, I, I think I think it's justified to have that conversation and say, you know, is this really about showing that you appreciate diversity or is it simply just uh, lip service? You know, these these, these right, covers exactly. were, were, these covers were awesome in their own right. And so even though you have the blessing of a lot of these artists that uh, produce that work, diversity needs to be comprehensive. And so whenever I get into a conversation with someone about what does it mean to see diversity in comics or any particular industry, it means to really have a comprehensive approach. It's not just about having sort of the the uh, the character on the outside being you know you know African American you know sort of just the, just the face right what's the voice of that character what's the experiences of that character and if you don't have a writing staff or editing staff that is able to bring those stories into that character and breathe life into that character then you know it's it's very hard to pull it off it's very hard to to make that something that people can say yeah that's believable that's a character that I can embrace because I can see myself in them because you can sort of see on the opposite side of that character, the, the the writing and the heart that goes into it, you know, just being something that you can look at and say, yeah, that that makes sense to me. Um, so if it's just if it's just for the cover and the content on the inside doesn't ring true to um, to the minority experience, then um, then it's 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 almost all for naught. I mean, you know, you're wasting wasting your time just sort of saying, okay, yes, this this is our this is our answer to uh, the question of diversity. Um, and, and, uh, if it's just a series of covers, uh, just to play, pay lip service, then, you know, it's, it's really not enough. It's not comprehensive. It's, it's a very trying time because and it's like you said, this is now this topic of discussion has come up a lot fairly recently, but at the same time, I guess this is why I'm almost glad that we are now in a place where, and I'm not going to lie, there's a lot of stuff that's going on that needs to change. I'm not definitely not knocking that. However, I will say, though, this is also a very great time because there's so many great publishers and you know writers and artists who maybe not working for, let's say, a mainstream title who are now producing work that I think, in a way, maybe better represents the, the current, I guess, cultural landscape, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And I'm talking all across the board, not sure. even just a matter of black and white. And that's why what's great about what you do, because, again, you're not even just a, a writer or artist. You're also a publisher. Yeah. And so that that kind of uh, evolved very, um, you know, organically and just out of desperation. You know, um, Forward Comics came about because um, while looking at Nowhere Man and trying to preserve the story in uh, in its integrity and, and what I was trying to do, it was very difficult to do that as someone who had no history in comics. So by the time I, I was uh, ready to start putting material out there, I was chopping it around. I talked to uh, a couple of uh, agents and editors and publishers, and they they're, they were saying, you know, we we love what you're doing. <laughs> you know, it's it's it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty cool, but. You know, um, you know, we can't take a chance on that right now. So that was while that was discouraging at the same time, you know, kind of looking around and realizing that we had access to a lot of the same tools that these bigger publishers were using. So why not just go out there and put it out in in the format and in in uh, in the spirit that we had intended? And so that's really how uh, Ford Comics came about. 
you know, we're a publisher that's focused on telling um, stories that have a bit more heart to them, that are socially conscious and uh, are very selective in the work that we publish. So we're not focused on producing a lot of work. We're focused on producing, you know, high quality work. And, and so hopefully um, No More Man is a, a really big in, in, installment um, towards, you know, towards uh, seeing that uh, vision come about for us. Right. But at the same time, it's also important because, you know, we talk about diversity, but it also helps a lot in the business aspect yeah. because I, well, it's funny. My girlfriend said something the other day. It might've even been yesterday that that was so very true that it's like, in a way, it's almost not enough to kind of just do one thing. Like if you could do one thing and do the one thing, well, that's great. But I guess these days you really have to know multiple sides of a business yeah. to really kind of get anywhere. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really cool. Cause now, you write, you draw, and now you're a publisher. But at the same time, you're still having to now cultivate maybe other works Absolutely. or even your own to make sure that this is quality stuff. So, I mean, again, where do you find the time for all that? Do you <laughs> it's, it's it's hard to find a time. And, and so we have to be very laser-focused over here on the projects that we're working on. And that's one of the reasons why we don't take on a lot of projects. We take on very few projects. And so um, right now, Nowhere Man is the the main flagship title that, title that we're working on. And we have a, a series of other short stories that we have been developing, which have been very exciting for us to, to craft and make sure that they fit into the same uh, vision that we have for horror comics. So um, one of those stories that will be uh, ready by New York Comic Con is uh, Moon's Ostrich, which is a, a short story, um, an all-ages story set in a steampunk um, you know, alternate uh, timeline. And so that's been really fun to work on because we want to make sure that we have a well-rounded offering, that we have something for those who love the the gritty, uh, uh, dark stuff, but at the same time, something that you know just about anyone can enjoy. So yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, um, learning, it's a lot of research, uh, and so we tr we try to make sure that even though um, we don't put out a lot of a lot of work each year. We want to make sure that what we do put out, you know, can sit on the same shelf as uh, anything from, you uh, you know, a big publisher. Pushing Nowhere Man is a very big deal. So is there now, after, of course, the, the core volumes, are you going to expand a story into more volumes or what's next for the series? Well, we're looking at a lot of different uh, opportunities for Nowhere Man. You know, certainly, you know, we had this great conversation about whether or not we can see it in an, another, um, you know, uh, another medium, whether oh, that's right, because I was I was saying um, it would be great as a TV show. I, I would love to see that happen. So you know, we're continuing to network, and uh, you know, hopefully something pans out with that. Um, you know, that'll be a great opportunity certainly for us and for, and for this project that we put so much love into. Um, so so yeah, right now we have just completed um, earlier this year we completed um, book number six in the series, and and so again that that. Book number six closes out volume two. So we're just looking to uh, promote that and get the word out, let people uh, see what's going on there, and hopefully grow our fan base, you know, by significant numbers this year. The goal is for us to come back to Norman and do a really big epic uh, closer with it at some point. We're actually right now crafting and, and, and working on the, uh, the script so that it can be, again, very, very polished, very nuanced, very layered. Um, you know, um, in addition to the series. Uh, and so while we're working on that, we are, we are branching out and doing quite a few different projects that are going to be 
coming out at the end of this year and uh, early next year. Some of it I can talk about. Other things <laughs> are really exciting, but I, unfortunately I can't talk about just yet. So one of those things I mentioned, <laughs> Fair one of those things I mentioned before is uh, Moon's Ostrich. Um, we're also working on a, another short story called The Scientist, which is um, basically a sci-fi slash horror um, short that we're working on, and, and that will be... Um, hopefully up by the end of the year, more details as that comes together. Another project, which uh, I don't think I mentioned before, but we uh, also have been working on a, um, a young adult, a young adult uh, fantasy series, which is called Curse of the Griffin. And we, we currently have the first book out in that series. We're actually just doing a little bit of touch-up work to that, and we're going to be talking about that a lot more at the end of this year once uh, once the re-release happens. Um, okay. And so if you're into high fantasy stories that has, you know, magic and my- mystical creatures, uh, but you're also into like sur- um, uh, supernatural, you know, you know, urban supernatural stuff, you're going to really like this because those two worlds clash in this particular series where the central character, Daniel Griffin, is basically a... Uh, artists living on the streets trying to survive in a town where you have to convert to becoming a vamp to being a vampire you know to get a job <laughs> so, oh wow Holy so, God. you know you know imagine trying to just, just get by and survive in a world where basically you know you're, you're you're at every turn everyone's trying to convince you as to why it's so great to be a vampire and why you really should you know convert um you know and basically you can't job or make a living without doing it and so it's, it's, it's a dark, quirky story about this this kid who's basically um, he doesn't realize until like halfway through the story that he's actually a, a refugee from this uh, fallen kingdom where it was ruled by magic. And they, they basically, you know, were basically living at the top of, you know, the top of top of the food chain. And uh, so now he has to uh, go out and reclaim, reclaim his heritage. That's fantastic. I'm sorry. I just had this vision of going to like a job interview and they're looking over the paperwork here. It's like, oh, you got a lot of great references, you know, I guess stuff. Oh, but it says here you don't drink blood. Um, unfortunately, you know, it's like, all right, we'll, we'll call you back. <laughs> right. It's, you know, you have a lot of those really quirky scenes in, in, the, in the series. Uh, so one of the great examples that I loved is actually we, we opened up uh, the first book in the series is called Daniel's Pride. The first scene there is where. Daniel is waiting online at the bank for the quote unquote ATM. And you don't realize until after he's about ready to step into the booth that it's actually a it's a it's um it's a blood ATM. So it actually it, it, it draws your blood in exchange for cash. And uh, you know, if you have not yet converted to vampires, that's basically one of the only ways you can basically get uh, cash. And uh, so it's 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 kind of dark and quirky, and, uh, it, and I think it really works because it sets up this really great paradigm that's you know um, that's very dark. But then you have this kid is, who's basically you know just on the verge of becoming an, an adult, and you know what do you what do you do with your life when you can't really fit into the societal societal mold that's been set out for you? And uh, so it's been a great series to work on. So we're we're looking forward to really pushing that more. That sounds like a lot of fun. I can't wait to read that because I'm thinking of that as like, wow, like vampirism as a means of economics. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we actually got some great reviews, uh, some great preliminary reviews on the series. And, you know, they really love that uh, that juxtaposition of, you know, economics and vampirism. What does it really mean to be a vampire? You know, we actually had this great uh, section in the, se- in, in the story 
where it, it, um, from a vampire's point of view, they kind of explain what it really means to be a vampire. And, you know, uh, kind of you get into the, the, the psychology of it where, you know, it's, it's not so much even about the drinking of the blood. It's really about the desire to own people, the desire to consume them and take what they have in order to make your life better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just has lots of really great layers to it. You know, again, um, for, for horror comics, we we're thinking about stories that have a lot of really layered meaning to it. That is that sounds very cool, and I'm already I'm already excited to read this because as I'm reading this, it makes it almost reminds me of um, what was that the very first Blade, the the Wesley Snipes one where you had the Deacon Frost character who's like you know humans are food and that's basically how we survive, but yet the rest of the vampires they're almost like miniature corporations, you know they're making all these deals with you know humans and things like that as a means of gaining more business and political power and not necessarily just running around the streets just biting people because it's like we are trying to control things on a much larger scale than what we used to traditionally do and there's something very interesting about that so again i'm already on board for that i, I can't well, wait that's to great it. excellent that's great yeah because that's what we're really getting at you know it is really complex layered ways of looking at um, you know society and societal norms you know what what's truly normal and what do we accept as being normal that you know some you know in another context might just seem you know really harsh or just really um you know a, a really terrible way to live um so we've been really just trying to find ways to you know bring those aspects into our storytelling where you know we're telling stories that are entertaining fun and and and, and thrilling but at the same time just you know, begins to ask some really tough questions i think that more now than ever we need those types of stories out there because there's a way you can do that in any great work, whether it be a comic book or a novel or even like a TV show. Most great stories find a way to, like I said, entertain, maybe, uh, I guess, give you an idea into society, regardless of whatever time period it is. And doing so in a way where it's not like preachy or heavy handed. Yeah. But just doing it, just basically just telling it as it is. And again, I, I think this is a time where we really need those types of books out. Yeah. Uh, you know, being um, a small press publisher, you know, forward comics, that, that's one of the really great advantages that we have. Certainly, you know, there's a lot of uh, things we have to learn about the business side of things. But, it, you know, we really have that autonomy where we can sort of begin to sit down and, and say, what kind of stories do we really want to see out there in the marketplace? What kind of stories do we think are going to really matter? I mean, the stories that really last, you know, and are really timeless are the stories that really get at those really strong um, issues that go to the, the core and the heart of who we are, that really begins to explore what, it, you know, um, what and what truly is the human condition. And uh, that's what we're all about for comics. We're all about trying to get to the heart of that and trying to find a way to capture that in a story that can be passed on. So one question I always like to ask, and I know we asked this before, but I think this is a great story. Do you remember the, the very first comic book you ever read? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love this story, and I'm I'm almost glad that – maybe I'm not necessarily glad, but I'm so glad I get to hear this again. All right. So, um, you know, like a lot of kids, yeah, I, I read comic books, but I, the first one I actually remember reading was this really ripped-up version or copy of um, Titans, you know, before – the very popular Teen Titans that we have now, they were just, you know, the Titans, right? And so you had characters like Cyborg, Raven, Starfire, and uh, I'm not sure in my copy if uh, if um, Robin or, or, or Nightwing was on the team yet because, uh, you know, it was it was incomplete. I mean, you literally had, like, ripped out pages and stuff that was, <laughs> you know, you know just, just chewed up. Um, but man, it was that, that's the first story I can remember reading. And actually, uh, in this particular 
issue, it might have been like an origin uh, issue. And I wish I kept it no matter how uh, dogged and, and ripped apart it was because basically <laughs> had each page was dedicated to the origin story of uh, each individual character. That's so funny because I'm thinking to myself and what I said to you before was how great is it? And it speaks to the power of comic books that even a book that's torn up, oh, yeah. torn to shreds, pages missing, someone could still pick this up and basically just have their whole world opened up. So I think that's why I love comics as, 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 a, as a medium because no matter how old I get, I sometimes I'll read a story and I'll feel just like I did when I read my first comic. Or, you know, when I was a teenager, it's like, it's one of those things that it just, it's just very universal. And it's, it's such a great story. And I was laughing because yeah. the very first, one of the first comics you read was, you know, the Titans, you know, maybe an origin story of them forming. But one of the, the very first Titans comic I read was when the Titans Tower blew up. So right. then I just yeah. gave up. <laughs> And I'm like, well, not gonna not gonna bother reading the rest of this. Yeah, that's that's kind of a, a, a really rough way to land it into the particular series. You know, mine was <laughs> even though mine was in uh, really bad shape. Uh, you know, um, uh, it is at least a much more enjoyable story to read. <laughs> yeah, I I'm, I had a very weird childhood because again, I only say that because I grew up in like I said late '80s, early '90s. Yeah. And a lot of the comic books we used to get were just kind of, my grandmother would just get books off the rack yeah. and bring them home and she'd go food shopping. Or like my dad, we'd take us to the store and I would just pick up one that looked cool. I wasn't like collecting a major series until a little bit later with X-Men. Yeah. So a lot of the stories I just bought like, and they were surprisingly dark. Because again, it was the early 90s and that's yeah. what you did. Like, you know, my first right. Teen Titans... First Titans book, the tower blows up. Or I read a RoboCop comic, and he's having that thing where, in like a lot of the RoboCop movies, where he's kind of having that conflict between his human aspect and the machine, and he's yeah. having like this breakdown, and he can't determine of which of his targets are innocent and which ones aren't. And I'm like, well, this isn't exactly good for a child, <laughs> right? Not, not exactly. <laughs> and then, like the one of the very first Marvel comics I ever read was it was a Spider-Man annual. But it was Spider-Man, War Machine, Black Panther, but they're fighting Ultron. And uh -huh. and he's basically converting, you know, these these Ultron um, duplicates into people. And it was just, again, it was it's just a very, very heavy story. And it's like, man, I kind of wish I was like my parents who grew up, like, let's say, in the, in the 70s, who their books were maybe a little bit more lighthearted. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the power of comics. You know, whether they're really dark or, or much more lighthearted, you know, they have the ability to really pull us into um, this this other world where you can really, um, you know, learn about the characters, but also learn a little bit about yourself and what you like and what you enjoy seeing, and and even finding aspects of those stories that you can sort of help you to get through, you know, through through your daily life. You know, so so yeah, it's it's amazing that those stories really stick with us, no matter no matter what form they came in. Um, even to this day, we remember those stories, and, and, and I remember a lot of the the comic books I, remember, I read when I was a kid. A lot of those stories definitely stuck with me. I'm so excited to read what's coming up next because, again, this, I, I've had so much fun reading Nowhere, man. I can't wait to read everything else, though. But oh, yeah. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna really love it. Particularly, I think, Volume 2 is, um, you know, I really felt like I, 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 I grew a lot as an artist and as a writer. And uh, it's, it's much tighter um, and, and uh, you know, has some poetic flows to it, which I, you know, really want to see come into, into the story. 
Um, so, so yeah, I, I really hope that you get a chance to check out Volume 2. And uh, one of the things that I, I want to plug before I forget is that we have this uh, discount going on right now on our online store. Our official online store is forwardcomicsshop.com. And, um, you know, that's spelled with a C-O-M-I-X. But we also have the regular spelling there, too. So if you go to forwardcomicsshop.com, we have a uh, promotional uh, event going on, which which I think wraps up on the 15th of this month. So if you if you go to our, our website and uh, add things to your cart, you know, whether it be books or we actually have some prints on there, too. Um, and when you get to checkout... In the promo code area, enter JACK, that's J-A-C-K in all caps. That will give you 30% off and free shipping. So that's a great way to awesome. jump into the series. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, for everybody who's hearing that, now you have no excuse as to why you didn't check out the series. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a really good deal. And again, those books come directly from our personal inventory. Um, so it's a great way to, to, um, to get the books and also, uh, most of those books that ship out directly from us get signed, so I'll be able to sign them for you. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, uh, there are other places to find us if you are used to some other platforms that you prefer to buy your comic books on. Um, we're available on uh, Amazon. Um, pretty much the entire series thus far is um, on Amazon, either as a print book to be ordered or um, as an ebook. And uh, in addition, we can also be found on Barnes and Nobles. Um, you can order from the website or go to your local Barnes and Nobles and have them um, order for you and have it for you in the store. Um, and of course, we love being on Comixology. We are also available on Comixology. And um, in addition to winning the Glyph Comics Award, we actually won some recognition from Comixology as well. So um, definitely check us out there if you'd like to buy your comics on Comixology. Awesome. Congratulations, man. You're blowing Thank up. You. <laughs> trying. Definitely trying and, uh, you know, definitely putting our best efforts in. Uh, Jerome, again, this has been so much fun, and I'm so glad you're able to come back because there was just too much great stuff that, like, I would hate to have lost. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. And, uh, yeah, thanks uh, thanks for having me on. This has been a huge pleasure, and, uh, you know, we, we're going to do our best to make sure that we're more visible. You know, we, 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 we love to spend our time uh, producing uh, new work, but uh, part of that, too, is making sure that people know what we're doing. So, um, you know, our official website uh, is uh, forwardcomics.com. You can go there to, to learn more about what we're doing. And then the click the click-throughs are there for our online store, which is forwardcomicsshop.com. We're also, we're, we're also uh, on... Um, uh, social media spaces like Twitter and Facebook, so you can check us out there. And I think we also have a, a, a semi-frequent uh, Tumblr account that we're working on. So you definitely look for us. We're we're we're, we're definitely there. So um, yeah, check us out. Great, and uh, Jerome, okay, thanks a lot. And you've all heard that, and hopefully you'll continue to support awesome indie books. Uh, again, that'll do it for Adrian Has Issues. We will see you next issue. 